<clears throat> I want I want everybody to know that seconds ago Dominique wiped his whole face down with his shirt like oh. Michael Irvin. <laughs> oh yes. I'm sweating like Mike out this mother. <laughs> uh Bill Barnwell is here. I'm Dominique good, is like is, the playmaker. I just want the podcast audience to stop listening, go find the video oh. because you'll find Dominique's eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> we got a win, boy. Just floating. We got a win. Pools of what is, it, what is it? Tequila? Is it bourbon? What do you mm -hmm. got there? We gotta uh -huh. talk about the bills and the bikers or something, but I really want to talk about my <laughs> man. Jeff <laughs> said that wow. got him a, a win. Let's go, we, Jeff. We need to start with Ooh. I think the game of the year yep. before we all officially just get blackout drugs. Y'all yeah. handle that. Y'all handle the Bills Vikings. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting until we talk about Jeff. Stop, my stop. Dog. Well, last week we was at dinner together. This week he winning football games as a head coach in the NFL. And now, and now Dominique is eating dinner with all of you. He's yes. double. He's triple fisting. I don't know how he's doing it. Yes, daddy juice, a do mm. a literal donut, and mm, grilled mm, so much yes. sugar, powdered yes. sugar all on my face. Way to go, Jeff. We we are all one week away from being NFL coaches if the Jeff Saturday path is clear. Eat dinner with Dominique Foxworth. A week later, you can beat Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, guys, so I was I was going to say we should just start with the game of the year, but I think if we do Bill's Vikings first, Dominique's just going to tank the topic and not let us, yeah, not let us analyze it. I agree. So let's give him some Jeff. Let's give Dominique wow. some Jeff. The one program on fake or real television that has a dancing Dominique yeah. daddy-juiced Foxworth. Mm. And um, Jeff Saturday leading. That's yeah, right. Leading the show. All jokes aside, I'm just so happy for him. I'm proud of him. Jeff and I have been friends for more than 10 years. He's one of the best people I've ever met. I agree. It was weird. It's something that would never happen. It's something I wouldn't have done. Jim Ursay is a wild man, but I don't give a bleep. Oh, he's now? my friend, and I now love him. Get a bleep. Oh, you want, you want the real thing? I don't give a what y'all what y'all talk about Why shut up barnwell shut up pablo <laughs> my homeboy is a nfl head coach and he went out and got a win so you guys can hate and talk about how he didn't do you can say oh wait jonathan taylor is back oh matt ryan's back yeah who cares yeah. Was at dinner with me at the seaport last week. This week he's on the damn sideline, head coaching a team to a win. So shut up, haters. It's my friend. If it wasn't my friend, I'd be right along with you. I'd be over there hating too. But it's my man, so I don't care. I'm biased. So don't ask me for no analysis. Coach of the year, Jeff Saturday. Uh Bill, I'm glad that Dominique confessed, quote, I'm biased, because that <laughs> wasn't clear. Confess. I'm, I'm, confess. I'm glad that in the middle of taking over the show for a 90-second monologue, he told us both to shut up repeatedly. I think yeah, he both you, shut up. Confess, confess is something that guilty people do. I ain't guilty. I'm happy. I ain't confess. So, confess. So, so to set up the context here, which mm -hmm. is truly just unnecessary, I think. A little bit more point, soda. But the Colts beat the Raiders mm -hmm. 25 to 20. Josh McDaniels mm -hmm. got um Bill, what's the verb for what happened to Josh McDaniels today? Given that Dominique's mm -hmm. phrase Saturday. He got Saturday. He got Jeff. He got Jeff, I think is the only way to put it. Um he no nobody in the history of the National Football League 
has ever lost to a coach who tweeted that that team sucked <laughs> from his personal Twitter account like a month earlier. So this is really like, like, like the first the first online trolling leading to an actual victory I can ever think of in the National Football League. Amazing. Amazing. Raiders look horrible was Jeff Saturday at Saturday Jeff on October mm -hmm. 30th. And that's the real Jeff Saturday. Jeff just yeah. got on Twitter last year, last offseason or last season. Me and Jeff were talking about Twitter and he was like, I should get on there. I said, yeah, you should. You should tweet some stuff. I know you what? guys want to laugh and you want to have jokes and you want to pretend like I'm the weirdo and I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Imagine that you've been friends with somebody. I can't you've imagine been, that part. You've been through. <laughs> okay. Well, try. Okay. You've been, you've been through some really challenging times with this person. Mm -hmm. You stood side by side by mm -hmm. them. You developed a really close relationship. Mm -hmm. You maintain that relationship through a lot of other challenges. And you know that you can count on this dude. Like it's a real lifetime, like for real friend. Imagine you had dinner with that friend and you were like, yeah, blah, 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 this stuff. Well, yeah, mm, okay, things are tough, but we working out, we gonna get there. And then the next week, that is on the sideline coaching a football game. I lost some donut, I'm gonna get it later. And then he coaches them to a win. Imagine it for a second. So you want me to sit here and, and like analyze this like a normal person? No, Pablo. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, chill out. I lost a little bit more donut, but I'm going to go get it later. Pablo, imagine next week I'm on the sideline and I coach the team to win. If you are not drinking daddy juice and eating donuts on debatable next day, I will fight you. I, I, I am currently under the working hypothesis that what's happening is that Dominique is applying for a job in the NFL. Yes, right now. absolutely. No. Hell no. That seems hard and stressful. I'm good. I want to stay on the sideline and cheer what, for you guys. What makes you think it's hard and stressful when you can just come off the ESPN sideline <laughs> and beat a team the following week? What about hey this? It's difficult hey when they had an offensive coordinator who had never even been you did anything it. meaningful before. You did it. You did it. You snapped me out of my joy and you brought me back to reality. I don't even know if you guys know this or not, but I'm a black. Okay. Ain't nobody coming off this and, and for the podcast audience. And making me head coach. Is in fact like, black. It's true. Yeah. It's so, true. It's not so, okay. There you go. You're happy. You ruined my fun. You made me go back into reality and deal with the fact mm -hmm. that that would never happen for me or anyone else who looks mm -hmm. like me. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. But my man Jeff, though, he's a white. So he gets to go get a win. Mm -hmm. I know less fun it. and funny now. Thanks a lot, guys. Speaking, speaking of alabasters, alabaster. <laughs> <laughs> um so i do want to ask mm -hmm. what does this say about head coaching in the nfl because this it is something that we... saturday's the man <laughs> yeah i know i got it what's it say about josh mcdaniels then because he's not the right, man and other coaches not. and coaches in general seems like josh mcdaniels should hang out with dominique foxworth more if you ask me <laughs> yeah by the way we go jeff and i go back and forth every week with dinner you owe me one because I paid for the last one, and I'm coming. Mm, I'm coming hard. to get my money. Um, so about head coaches, I think that coaching football is a difficult thing to do, like actually coaching. Jeff this week was not actually, like, devising schemes and strategies. Jeff was managing, which is very different. Like, you can parachute in and manage a situation. Um, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't imagine that Jeff's going to be – like, this has never been who Jeff was. He's not, like, super, like – schemey guy jeff's answer to every question is run the ball if you ask jeff like what's the weather outside he's gonna say run the damn ball mm -hmm. so i think that there are other people who are gonna handle those things but like 
the job of like building and maintaining culture and like managing expectations, those sorts of things and motivating, communicating, developing relationships. Those are things that Jeff has always been good at. So I think we'll see what happens with this team going forward, but I think he has a chance to like win a couple more games and like retain this job. Bill, mm. Bill, Bill, I consider you mm -hmm. uh, in human form, the glass of water that Dominique is going to need to drink. <laughs> So give us your sober take on what actually we I'm not, I mean, I'm playing it up for you, Pablo. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, frankly. I think this is actually an example that you can do this job with small amount of notice if you have the right people around you. But also if you have a competent quarterback and very good running back, which Frank Wright did not have the week he got fired when he had to play St. Ellinger under the orders of ownership. I think I would be pretty pissed right now, frankly, if I were Frank Reich, given that Matt Ryan mysteriously was able to come back and play in this game after ownership took him out of the game to begin with. I think mm. Jonathan Taylor looked great, but I think I think it speaks to how you can play that role. You can be that sort of CEO-style coach and, and sort of, at least for one week, build that culture and, and have the ability to win games. And I think... It also contrasted to what we saw with Josh McDaniels, where he's supposed to be this, you know, this genius schemer, this guy who's supposed to come in and transform the Raiders coming from this winning organization, and how he's been really unable to do that over the course of the entire season. That Dexter's and O stuff, we talk about it a lot, play calling stuff, we talk about it a lot, didn't really seem to matter this week. Do you think yeah, I mean, we'll get I, to a point, Dominique, though, where, like, look, truly, Dominique, you have been trumpeting the idea mm -hmm. that we misunderstand what head coach really should ideally be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That he is a manager of people and that you can have coordinators, schemers underneath him. Do you think that in any way, like, we're going to get to a place where that's the model as opposed to the exception? <clears throat> I mean, I doubt it. I think that like the, the things won't change very much. I think that you can do the thing about being a head coach is you can make that job. It's a bit like flexible. You can make that job what you want it to be and what suits you best. If you're a defensive minded coach, you can spend a lot of time on defense or offense, vice versa. Um, probably the best coach that I in the NFL that I played for was Harbaugh and he was a special teams coach, which means that he focused not much on either offense or defense. And he really wasn't in a special teams meeting. Like uh, Rossberg was in there, who was the guy that they brought in to help out um, Hackett in Denver. Yeah, to help out Hackett in Denver because he didn't know he was doing it. He was the assistant head coach. So like those, you can spend your time however you want it. In Jeff's case, he's probably spending his time in neither the offensive room <laughs> or the defensive room, which is Jeff is spending his time or... at dinner with you. Yeah, we <laughs> yes. established this. So just, just to really put a button on this, yes. this is what it looks like when you're Jeff Saturday's friend tonight. Yep. What do you think it looks like when you're Josh McDaniels' friend right now? Like that group chat must be so <laughs> awkward. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, who did you learn more about today? The Vikings or the Bills? Okay, so this was mm. the greatest game we mm. have seen this year. Yes. Uh, Bill, like, you know, it's funny that the Bills keep on showing up in the games of the year mm -hmm. and losing those games. But holy <laughs> man, before we get to, like, the debate aspect of this, I, I, I how, what did, what, what, what do you call this, what we just watched? Am I a fool for thinking, like, we should start the conversation with greatest catch I think I've seen in my entire life? It like, wasn't just the greatest catch. It was a series. Like, that catch was mm 
like the peak of a series of incredible catches. There were several on the front end, mm-hmm. several on the back end, a few in overtime. Like he was the, the game to me, the story of the game came down to Justin Jefferson and Josh Allen on the other side. Like Josh Allen was doing weird stuff. Like it was very like not only was the the red zone interception like a really bad decision, he decided to try to punch the ball out while <laughs> while Patrick Peterson was already down with the injured right elbow like what are you doing he just was i don't know there's a difference between football players and quarterbacks and josh allen is obviously a football player who's really good at quarterback because <laughs> i think that football players choose violence all the time josh allen sometimes you got to be a quarterback and be like nah let's make a better decision that is like that's the opposite of what josh allen thinks in any situation <laughs> At any time, Josh Allen always wants to be a dude who's like, like you remember the. I always compare Josh Allen to the big baby, the big baby from a couple of years ago who was way too big for his family. He was jumping on the bed, he was running with the football. <laughs> That's Josh Allen on the football field. Like he doesn't know any better. If you're Josh Allen, why wouldn't you believe that you can do a peanut punch if you're going to throw an interception? Like that level of confidence is just innate to being Josh Allen, for better or worse. That's why you threw those interceptions to begin with in this game. And then the, the goal line fumble, which is, yeah, I thought the okay, game was so, over. It was so, like so a, it, it seems like we're leaning towards learning more about the Bills, or no, this is just stuff that we already knew. The fact that Josh Allen has now thrown two picks in three straight games, has only two passing touchdowns in his last 10 quarters. I'm learning stuff as I read that stat aloud, to be honest. Holy shit, that's bad. I mean, where, where are, I guess, where are we with the Bills at this point, given what we just saw against the Vikings? It was a close game, but the pattern seems to recur in terms of how this does go bad. Yeah. I mean, the bills are uh, talent wise, less than what they were early in the season because of injuries, but like, that's true of everybody. But the question is like, I mean, it boils down to Josh Allen. There are very few teams that are so dependent on a specific player as this team is. And when he plays badly, they don't really have much of a chance. And when he plays well, it seems like they're unbeatable. They can beat anybody, including the chiefs. So that's what it came down to. And it, it didn't feel like the reason why he played bad. I guess the scary part, if I'm a Bills fan or if I bet money on the Bills, is that it didn't seem like it was a result of his elbow. Like, at no point was I watching this game like, man, he don't have the accuracy or the zip or the issue. It was a result of decision-making, which has not been always the strong suit of Josh <laughs> Allen. <laughs> He's, he has not consistently been a good decision-maker. Even last season, he had, like, one really good season of making good deci- decisions mm-hmm. – and then he had a good playoffs last year of consistently making good decisions. And then this season, he was making big enough plays to overshadow the mm-hmm. bad decisions. So we just have to, if you're a Bills fan, you have to hope that he can continue to do that. The fact that he didn't do that this week is why they ended up where they were. And then the fumble on the goal line is its kind of a fluke occurrence. Like, they still probably should have won the game. It's hard for me. Are you rolling? Like, is that a result of a bad decision? It just seemed like... This this the just a fluke occurrence that they didn't execute with the game on the line. They didn't get a snap off in the most crucial stop of the game, and it's just a fluke occurrence. You sound like me, and that's I don't I should not be saying that to you, Dominique. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, like that age just made you more of a nerd than I thought. It I just I I guess I don't know how else to explain it. It doesn't feel to me like Josh Allen isn't clutch. It doesn't feel like Josh Allen made a bad decision in that moment. It feels like it was something that just like randomly it hardly ever happens, and maybe Josh like backed out too soon. I didn't I didn't sense that from watching it, but it just seemed like a random thing that cost him the game. The fact that the game was that close yeah. is Josh's fault. The fact that he fumbled a snap 
or there was an exchange issue on the snap, that doesn't feel like something I can blame him for. You can blame him for that interception. Mm-hmm. I guess you could blame um, McDermott for not kicking the field goal, but you can blame him for that interception. You can blame him for the other turnovers, but you can't, to me at least, doesn't feel like we learned much from the bad snap. I'm, I'm not saying Josh Allen played perfectly in this game because clearly he did not, but the Bills scored enough points to win this game. They didn't lo- lose this game because of Josh Allen. They lost because they allowed one of the greatest catches I've ever seen on fourth and 16 when that wins the game. They allowed that third down corner conversion of Justin Jefferson where the cornerback didn't turn around. They came up with a stop but didn't get the stop at the end. They allowed an 81-yard touchdown to Dalvin Cook when they were up 17 oh, points yeah, in the third quarter. All these plays that like are forgotten about now in the context of this game and because of what happened late. But this secondary does not have the ability to cover for Josh Allen when he's not perfect. We know Josh Allen even at his best, is going to make some questionable decisions. He's going to make some mistakes with the football more than you'd like in this game, but he still did enough to win this game if the secondary had held up. And I think that is the big glaring error and the glaring weakness for the Bills right now is that they're starting Christian Benford at cornerback. They're starting Dane Jackson at cornerback. These guys who would be four and five on their depth chart normally are the guys who have to cover Justin Jefferson. And not surprisingly, they can't do it. So the question then is, okay, what about the Vikings, though? Right? I mean, this team, I mean, Mm. Bill, Bill, Mm. I mean, we are being dared to call the Minnesota Vikings, quote, good, end quote. And I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. How do you feel about that? Can we stop recording before I get my answer to this question? <laughs> I, I, I don't – you know how, like, like we talk about not wanting to end up on, like, a, a Tom Brady video where you doubt Tom Brady? I want – that's just the opposite here. I'm afraid to say the Vikings are good because it's going to actually be recorded with my name. And the Vikings themselves, <laughs> I put out a, a, a tweet saying that I, I was shamefully saying they were good. But, like, isn't this the classic example of a game they would lose? Playing what everyone perceives to be a better team – on the road, they get down by multiple touchdowns. They can't do play action. They can't dress up for Kirk Cousins. He has to throw in those situations to win the game. And granted, they didn't get that fourth and one sneak. They probably should have lost the game. It took yep. something incredible from Justin Jefferson. But they won. Like, if you win this game under these circumstances, doesn't it say something about your fortitude, about your your ability to deal with resilience, your ability to come up with a win in a situation where everybody, including maybe yourselves in some ways, are doubting you and doubting you in the second half of this game and they still manage to pull this one out. I think there's something there at the very least. Yeah, I mean, they're eight and one. They're eight and yeah. one. And I will, I, will, I, will, I will note that this team has won a series of really close games, games that they were trailing in the fourth quarter, that they came mm-hmm. back and won. And Dominique, you are now shaking your head. Mm-hmm. So are you I mean, on record? What are you on record as saying about this team? On the road, too. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't knock them. They're winning. They're good. I was shaking my head because you were saying one-score games, winning one-score games, as if that's, a, like, a skill. And maybe it is, but I've read mm-hmm. enough nerd columns to suggest that that's more random than it is skill. Those mm-hmm. things regress. And good teams whoop other teams' asses, they don't mm-hmm. go into one-score games and lose them. So they, I, win, they win by five points on the road in Las Vegas. That's what good teams do. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I mean, I, I feel silly 
that one primetime game, if they didn't get blown out by the Eagles from the kickoff, maybe we'd feel differently about yeah, them. Yeah, week two. But also, that's the one when, loss. We, yep. when we watch their games, they have a lot of one-score games. They don't seem in control. They don't seem dominant. It feels, it feels somewhat, like, lucky. But if they keep winning, at some point you have to respect that they're still winning. So I, I don't know what people are going to do with their power rankings and whatnot, but they beat the team that most people think is either one or two. Mm-hmm. They've beaten everybody else that they played. Justin Jefferson went off, and he's healthy. So, yeah, they're good. The The Cowboys lost to a, a bad um, Packers, Packers team. team. So, mm-hmm. Yep, in overtime. I guess the I, Packers I, are the second-best team in the NFC right now. I would just like to point out, Alabaster, just all of the upward inflections of voices <laughs> that we've gotten. All of the question marks that felt like they were I, not hold rhetorical. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Like if we're pointing things, asking, we're, how could this be possible? If we're pointing things out, I would like to point out that you are really playing this host role a little yep. too well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, put your yeah. name on it. You're not, not there's no rules right. on debatable. You don't get. To, I to, believe um, the Minnesota Vikings are good. <laughs> They're good. Good. You can do it. Say it. Yeah, we're good. They're good. They're, okay, they're I guess you're they're good. good. No, they're good. They're good. They're good. Yeah, I don't know what else to right? do. They're right? good. They're good. They're good. Who who's good, Pablo? Full sentence. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> are are not bad. <laughs> they're good. They're good. I believe it. the Seahawks lost today in Germany. The great like, flattening of the NFC. Yeah, like oh, all yeah. the teams that were good, except for the Giants, had good records. Lost all the teams that are kind of crappy. They won. Every it feels like everyone is, uh, you know, six and four or, or five and six or five and five, <laughs> and that's you could win a Super Bowl that way. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles as their quarterback because they had the one seed and got a first round bye and got two home games in the NFC playoffs. The Eagles slip it off. Jalen Hurts gets injured. If the Eagles struggle for some reason, the Vikings are the best positioned team to be the yeah. top team in the NFC. And you don't got to be great. You just got to be good enough and have the right games at the right time to be a Super Bowl contender in, in any season. What we're really saying, Alabaster, is that if you're giving us the choice between being lucky and being good, mm-hmm. I think we actually would choose lucky. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, I'd rather be lucky than mm-hmm. actually good. What's the whole point of being lucky? I think we learned be the good. being lucky is more important than good in the Jeff Saturday segment. Oh, also. don't so I knew there's this respect was coming. Um, so no, I do have one follow up, um, and maybe you'll be able to read more about this in Bill Barnwell's column tomorrow. But you guys have to choose who won the Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson trade. Mm. I haven't written the column yet, so I don't know the answer to this question. I'm going to find out <laughs> with you guys tomorrow myself. Um, I, if I'm not allowed to say both teams won, which I should not be allowed to say because that is the easy answer, and we not are not clearly not having easy conversations here on this episode of Debatable, I think I, think I the would Colts say... Won. <laughs> I think I would say Justin Jefferson. I think oh. I would say Justin Jefferson. He is cheaper. They can get something else with the money they have. Like I'd rather have Justin Jefferson and Zadarius Smith than Stephon Diggs. I like that. I like that analysis. So I think you're probably right, but I'm going to go the other way because it's more fun. Because before Stephon Diggs came there, the Bills didn't have a quarterback. Stephon Diggs showed up, 
they have one of the best quarterbacks in football. Mm-hmm. I think there is a direct correlation. So if the result is you get Zadarius Smith and Justin Jefferson and a cheaper top-level receiver, but you have like Kirk Cousins, who's a mm-hmm. good franchise-level quarterback, but not a world beater, mm-hmm. the result is you can unlock uh, Josh Allen. I think that's a reasonable um, price to pay. I, now, I'm I, oh, oh, Dominique. I have a follow-up question for you. You said the Bills did not have a franchise quarterback before Stephon Diggs got there, which is pretty fair. But let me ask you, let's say the Stephon Diggs trade never happens. No Stephon Diggs, no Justin Jefferson. Compare 2022 Josh Allen to another NFL quarterback for me. Who is Josh Allen if he doesn't turn into Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs? Um, I don't know. I feel like... Skill-wise, maybe you're looking at Justin Fields. Is that what you mean? Like talent-wise, or like I'm I'm leaving it open-ended for you. I just, I just want to. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that we saw who he was. He struggled against beating man coverage. You bought in mm-hmm. someone who cannot be covered in man coverage. It mm-hmm. opened things up for him. And now maybe he doesn't. We haven't seen him without Stephon Diggs, but maybe he doesn't need Stephon Diggs. Without Stephon Diggs, I don't know that you get to the point where you find out who you have. They're looking for other quarterbacks at this point. I would assume if he doesn't have that big leap that he has when Stefan Diggs shows up. So like, it's kind of tough for me to like imagine the quarterback that he would be. Cause I'm not sure he'd still be their quarterback. Yeah. Likewise, I need to actually take uh, important polling data from the Vikings locker room now and figure out in comparison to Stefan Diggs, where does Justin Jefferson rank on the list of, players his teammates would definitely not oh, want to date yeah. their sister. Yeah. Yeah, that's can a I, classic. Can I admit something kind of weird? Maybe, maybe I'm just naive and stupid. I'm you're you've been around NFL players more than I have, Dominique, to, to be fair. When I saw the the images of Kirk Cousins on the plane last week, I was kind of surprised he had abs. Like <laughs> like I know like in in my brain like yeah. he's an athlete, he's in great shape, he's a quarterback. Of course he should have abs, but I just, for some reason, I just didn't see that. I don't know if that was a check of frustration or congratulations. Either way, we got our checks. That That segment broke the record for most, like, kind of, kind of compliments that we gave people. (laughs) Kirk Cousins was called a franchise-level quarterback because guess what? There are a lot of franchises out there, and some of them need quarterbacks. Yeah. Some of them need coaches. Jeff, thank you. Thank you. I was going to force it in whether you gave me an opportunity or not, but Jeff Saturday, guys. Just like Josh Allen. can we put five checks next to the Jeff Saturday topics? I feel like we just comprehensively I think also that one. Texas A&M, need to call my man Jeff, see if he's available. Wow. We're not going to call Jeff, You know Jeff, what? Though. Jeff Saturday? We're no, Dominique, you're right. Jeff gonna... Saturday should not stop with the Colts. He should be brought into any number of businesses across any number of industries <laughs> okay. to see okay. what happens. Twitter. Wait, Twitter wait, needs wait, Jeff wait, Saturday. Saturday wait, who just up? joined Twitter because Dominique right. told him to. Let me tweet that out before you do. <laughs> what you're describing is the new TV show on ESPN, Coach Rescue, where Jeff Saturday <laughs> comes in to an organization and fixes it in a week. This is great. Why have we done this before? Of course that makes oh total sense. Oh, my God. Does Jeff Saturday know about crypto exchanges? <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, man. Can we talk to Spencer yet? No. So, Dominique, we bring Spencer on, as we do every Sunday, off of uh, news of both college football importance and also just financial disaster. 
and uh, a guy who has lots of like files behind him. Mm -hmm. Spencer, yeah. we don't know what's behind you, but it seems like you may have answers back there. Um, I'm not going to dissuade you of that foolish idea because <laughs> I'm a scammer. Just going to stand here. Right up. Oh, gosh. Speaking of scammers. Yes. Alabaster, where are we at? We're going to start with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. What should Texas A&M do with Jimbo Fisher? Oh, so I is guess murder a possibility? Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> it's I disavow everything that Dominique just said. Violence is rarely the I mean, answer. Have we rarely. have we looked into the contract? Because like it's like a hundred million dollars if they just yeah, fire what, him. What, what happens? What, I'm just hypothetical. What happens if like a boat happens to just float out to sea and is never seen again spencer because oh, it's 86 85.95 million dollars on uh -huh. that buyout for a guy who is suddenly uh not eligible for a bowl game despite being ranked uh, sixth in the preseason i'm gonna just trace this all the way back to the source here about 44 years ago we decided to just eliminate the notion of a we everything's an i we're not going to have a society we just have a market okay and if you're going to live by that i'm just saying this non-judgmentally if you're going to live by that, then you know what you do with somebody with an $86 million buyout? You find someone else to pay him and then hire another coach. That's what you do. The most rich guy thing ever would be to do this, to take that buyout that we're all like, oh, you couldn't pay that. And then see which one of these rootin' tootin' cowboys saddles up and goes, woo, and does it. That's it. Like, you know, you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm out of jokes. Well, wait, right? Spencer, Spencer, let's play this through, though, because this is something that I did not consider. I don't know if Dominique did, but what is the pitch? What is the pitch for someone to take on your Jimbo? Oh, there's no pitch. There's no pitch. The, yes. If I go to a rich guy, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, broke boy. I don't think you can do it. That's it. It's just all, the, old, the old reverse psychology come from man's manhood technique and ne never <laughs> fails. You can't afford to. You don't really care about Texas A&M football, do you? And then they if, stand up. If anyone has a better idea, I'm all ears. Because otherwise... I mean, I think, but there is no good idea to get out of this situation. But no. I think it's also fair to... Or not fair, but it's important that we point out that there's no excuse either. Like, this isn't a first year. I need to get my guys in. This isn't uh, the pandemic ruined my recruiting classes. Mm -mm. There, He has all the dudes. And, like, he has his coaching staff. He has the money. He has the resources. He has all the things that you might need, the time, <laughs> the, the desire. Look at it. Is everything. That, that card, Dominique. Look at it. The first team to follow a number one recruiting class. He has the best dudes, the greatest mm -hmm. dudes, binders full of dudes. And yet... Yes, here is the first team to have that in a losing season. Yeah, like I don't, you know, uh, rich people got too much money. You need to dare them into doing stupid things with it. There, that's fine. That's my entire argument is just to we... dare someone into paying it because what would be more baller if you are in the club that is the Texas A&M Booster Disco, all right? And I walk up to you. What's the one thing that's going to rank you up faster than this? Yeah, I paid him. I bought first him out. All. Guess what else I'm going to do again? I'm going to buy another one. <laughs> First of all, Spencer, it's not a disco. It's obviously a saloon, and everyone has on a cowboy hat, and they go like this when they walk in the door. Before mm -hmm. they say hello, they just mm. pow, 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 pow. With real guns, probably, because it's Texas. Yeah. This Yosemite Sam right into that thing, hosting them things, and they say, hey, Jimbo, get out of here. 
That's a Splatoon, by the way. Yeah. And then, For the podcast audience, yes, it. that was a gold, a gold bowl full of just uh, tobacco juice that Dominic. Oh, and tobacco. like, if you don't think, by the way, if you don't think that this is a known deal for coaches, go and watch Ed Ogeron's buyout talk. Like Ed Ogeron had a, an interview, and I, I can't remember exactly where, so pardon me, but in it, he said Scott Woodward, who um, at one point was was LSU's athletic director was like hey buddy listen i'm gonna make this real easy for you okay you know it's not working right how about i just pay you 17 million i think was the number how about i just pay you 17 million right now ed ogeron was like okay <laughs> just decided <laughs> he was gonna go and they know you just throw that number out there and all those things about well i'm not finished and all oh, my feelings are hurt your feelings will be a lot less hurt if you walk out of there with 86 million dollars <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I um, the card you just put up there, Kevin Sumlin's yeah, record. Get that back. What was Kevin Sumlin's buyout? <laughs> I I assume it was not eighty odd million. Cheaper. Yeah, this is really. I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd be interested. So I'm not a Texas A&M fan. I don't watch a ton of Texas A&M football. I'd be interested to hear from you, Spencer, or you, Pablo. Maybe you're a sneaky A&M uh, film file. I don't know. But like, oh, yeah. what the hell is actually going on? Is it guys not buying in, not playing hard? Yeah, terrible I, scheme. Is it that the recruiting classes are ranked number one, but the is players it? actually aren't good? Like, how do you explain this? Because it's not like he's not capable. Like, he won a championship in Florida State. He's capable of recruiting. What I have a hard time understanding is obviously because I'm not like breaking down Texas A&M film. Is how come they suck? Right. Why Why am I forced to contemplate, can they make a fake crypto exchange in order to get Jimbo Fisher off the books here, Spencer? Why? Well, a couple of things haven't happened, right? We're talking about what has happened. A couple of things have not happened that have really kept them from busting through and validating all of the money they're pouring into the program. One of them is this. They have not hit on a quarterback. And this is very important to modern college football. Um, not only is the quarterback pretty much the most important player at all levels of football, it's particularly important in college football because this person is going to be able to paper over much of the mistakes, shortcomings, and other sort of little things that your team might not be able to do. There really aren't many very good three-phase football teams. Uh, entertain with me, if you will, my favorite moment from this weekend, which is when uh, up 17 to, I believe, six over Mississippi State, the best team in the nation, the one who has actually hit on a quarterback. Lo and behold, a three-star that they found behind the the quick trip, right, in a cool truck, <laughs> as we've discussed before, Stetson Bennett. Um, they're doing great. All of a sudden, they make one mistake and allow a kickoff return at 17-12 with Mississippi State. Now, that is not how the game ended, but that is a notion. that is an idea of how few teams can hit all the time and make it look dominant. So the quarterback's going to help you get over a lot of that. I'd argue that's what's happening at Alabama right now. Now you say, Spencer, isn't Jimbo Fisher a quarterback whisperer who does nothing but get his quarterbacks drafted over Spencer, I thought Jimbo Fisher was a quarterback over. whisperer who did nothing but get his quarterbacks drafted over and over and over. Thank you, Pablo Improv Partner. Yes, this is exactly what he is supposed to do, and he hasn't done it. And this isn't, you know, we're not in here too. It's not like we've struggled to find the guy. There are multiple guys and none of them have worked out. Absolutely none of them. Additionally, as uh, Dominique noted, there is the idea that the game might have passed Jimbo Fisher X's and O's uh, wise, which mm. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but I would say this, it's clunky right now. It feels like there are too many parts 
being asked to do too many things and consider too many options all at once. If you have the notion that this is a pro-style offense, then that means that there are multiple reads and things that you have to consider both before and during the play, pre-snap and post-snap. That takes a while, and we might be asking too much of them on the field, all right? I don't want to go too far out on that limb because you go real in the weeds, X's and O's wise. But let's just put it this way. You're asking 18 and 19-year-old athletes to think about a lot and do a lot that they might not be ready to do. Also, there is one last thing. Worrying about the notion of being too much of a control freak, even for a college football coach. Yeah. And I think that's a yeah, real concern here. Um, uh, Musi Muhammad's kid uh, was uh, allegedly benched for wearing sleeves. Like he was wearing sleeves. This is, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Which is not what they're supposed to. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like anything that you should care about as a coach. But that's um, that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, I those were some nice excuses. None of them work for me. Get him out of there. But then he gets the money. It's hard to know what to root for. I don't know. Yeah. I, I want him to stay and him to keep stinking. I think that's what I want to happen. I hope nobody comes in there and fixes he's, it. He's going to get the money either way. Yeah, I know. At least right. at least this way he has to work for it and be publicly at, embarrassed on a regular basis. At least this way he has to lose to Auburn, who's being coached, which was news to me, by Cadillac Williams. And mm -hmm. I'm just at the point where I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel old at this point and just sort of like know that in my heart that I am. But yeah, he's making 350k a year. Cadillac is incidentally former tailback. Car so, yeah. Carnell, so that's Car boy. Carnell. Carnell. We are. He'll always be Cadillac Williams in my heart, mm. but we will properly refer to him as Carnell when he is head coach. <laughs> I mean, guys, I grew up watching. Out here, well, I guess I didn't grow up watching Cadillac, but guys who I remember, head coaching teams, guys who I worked with a week ago, head coach of NFL teams. <laughs> I'm uh -huh. old, guys. I'm uh -huh. old. <laughs> just yeah, on the man. sideline, gray beard in it, just out here making decisions. I saw him going for two. Yeah. It's just too much for me to take. For the podcast audience, Dominique looks like Lovey Smith now. And <laughs> Alabaster, I believe this is a segue of some sense to what we want to talk about next, actually. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the person who sort of dominated college football yesterday. And we're going to dust off what are the chances for this. What are the chances this conversation between Brian Kelly and Harold Perkins actually happened? We got sick before oh, the game. Man. I threw up and, uh, as we were going into our team meal, uh, team meeting. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, MJ threw up when he had his greatest game. And he said, who's MJ? <laughs> I was like, man, I ain't getting so old. Oh, so I guess just to set up who Harold Perkins is, because a couple of things are designed to make us feel like we're dying, right? One of them is the MJ thing, which we should unpack. But the other thing is that Harold Perkins is a freshman linebacker for LSU, Spencer, and against Arkansas. I just want to read this stat because it's several stats, but he played 17 pass rush snaps. Yes. And he had eight tackles, eight stops, seven pressures, four sacks, four tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, two hits, one hurry, and one sneeze of appreciation from Spencer. Mm -hmm. That's just nuts, man. He's born in 2004. Yeah, it's pretty mm -hmm. pretty impressive. And listening to them, I'm oh, sorry, I'll get out the way and let Spencer give some real analysis because I was just going to repeat what I heard the commentators say when I was watching this game. Spencer, <laughs> tell me something that I didn't hear on TV on Saturday. Uh, that this is very much an example, I think, of Brian Kelly doing what I don't think Jimbo Fisher is necessarily doing which is putting their athletes in a position to succeed, even if you might have to break some precious rules of your system. 
you might have to make a new role for them because I will tell you that Harold Perkins Jr.'s <laughs> position is Harold. That's his position. <laughs> That's what he gets to do, right? And Just you go, go out there well, and Harold, man. Just get out there and Harold. Go out, go out there and play a Harold. Right? What do you got? Well, I got two linebackers. I got two safeties. I got two corners. I got a defensive end, a defensive end, tackle, tackle, and I got a herald. That's what you've got. Okay. <laughs> so go out there and do herald things. And uh, the Perkins. the thing that you have, yeah, exactly. He's terrifying. <laughs> he only had 17 pass rushing snaps. By the way, if your name's Harold Perkins Jr., you have to be the most dangerous man on the field. Listen to that name. That sounds like a 50 year old man. Of, of any variety. If you have a Harold Perkins Jr., they're like, oh, better shape up. Harold, <laughs> Harold's coming to this Hardee's today, and it, the floors better be clean. Oh, yeah. Because Harold, does, Harold doesn't mess around. Harold has slapped his own grandchildren because they told him to stop smoking. And he's like, what? Correct. You quit smoking? Correct. Like when in a news story, if you see it quoted Harold Perkins Jr., I wasn't leaving for no hurricane. That is that is a that is that is one of those guys who stays behind during a storm, earthquake or volcanic eruption. OK, Harold Perkins Jr. does not mess around. Like the only thing more terrifying would be the prospect that there is a Harold Perkins Sr. And he's an even badder dude. Um, this is, by the way, like this is what you do as a college coach. If you want to know, like. Why? Well, maybe some genteel lies, right? This is Bear Bryant famously would tell people, "Oh, the helmet in my office has paint from all around the conference." And um, and SI's uh, writer was like, uh, "Was like, um, I know Bear that you guys paint that after every single game." And Bear looked at him and goes, "It looks at it was Dan Jenkins. He looks at him and goes." Oh well, it works on recruits. Like that was well, the, that was Dan Jenkins caught Bear Bryant like cutting holes into his own jeans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like that stolen was stolen valor. This is a yeah, just like a little fifteen percent smidge of lies has always made things go a little bit smoother as a college football coach, right? Or any college athletics official, I think. But point being, the thing that Brian Kelly has done this year with Harold Perkins Jr. Um, and with a lot of other people is just make it easy, man. What do you do? Okay, we'll put you there, right? We'll move things around. Like Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, if you watch him at Arizona State and you watched him this year, you go, how did the, those don't look like the same person, right? And just a few subtle tweaks in the scheme and asking them to make the game simple, it's really added up. We we um talk about, especially because so many college coaches fail in the NFL, we talk about it like it's a tougher job to be an NFL coach than a college coach. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's a very different job. So many NFL coaches aren't going back to college regularly and succeeding either. Yeah. And I think that like being a college coach is hard as hell too. And I think at least for me, I forgot how good a like coach Brian Kelly is because he's such a bad like public character. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, like aside from recruiting, that's one part of being a college coach, the schematics that it feels like uh, Jimbo Fisher is struggling with right now. Brian Kelly has that under control. The ability to change on a dime and adjust scheme to yeah. players is one thing. Like mentally to conceive of it yourself is one thing. Then to be able to teach it and implement it to young players and allow them to make it easy for them on the field is another thing. So like the distance from what they were at the beginning of the season to what they are right now, like I don't know who you give the credit to. You give the credit to the players, but also Brian Kelly. And if I'm a Texas A&M booster, I'm scraping together, just raking together all Yo. my money and trying to go steal him immediately. Yeah. So the A&M the aspect of the Spencer for the record here too, right? Harold Perkins was a five-star recruit who – who decommitted from AM, committed to LSU. I went back and found his announcement video, and he puts on the AM hat for like a half second and then throws it away to pick mm -hmm. Brian Kelly over Jimbo Fisher specifically. 
and it's very it to me like if you want to go all right what are they doing right like like how is this working out one place and it's not working out another in college you got to economize you have to just cut things down mike gundy has survived for uh damn near 20 years at oklahoma state they don't hit in practice like they barely hit it's all soft uh practices are short they're like 90 minutes to two hours max you know they don't have like some they don't have the depth to have like a live action you know tuesday where they just you know hit and full pass no like they cut things down and they make concepts simple and am i saying that this is going to succeed in the pros no but vice versa i think you see a lot of pro coaches who come and try to take that attitude and they get lost in the weeds and lost in the human element of recruiting and understanding that this is the part Brian Kelly fails at that you're part of the community. You kind of have to be a mascot fundraiser, all in one kind of guy. So zero percent Brian Kelly. Yeah, did not, yeah. I mean, we oh, all, no one believes Brian Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of performatively uh, declaring your age in one way or another, we have now hit Mike Gundy. We've hit Harold Perkins, and now yeah, a zero percent for me. Also on Brian Kelly, he's a man. He's uh, eighteen and probably does know about the Last Dance. Is my guess on some level. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm 40. God, imagine, imagine trying to explain Michael. Imagine trying to explain Michael Jordan to an 18 year old. You're like, yeah. So there was this guy, yeah, and he he hated everything but basketball. Cool, and he was really not nice. Yeah, and he just humiliated everyone, everyone around him for like 20 years straight. We're like, so did people absolutely hate this guy? No, they loved him. It was great. <laughs> I mean, he has to know who Michael Jordan is. Yeah, does he? I mean, I've seen those TikToks of like kids who like look at landline phones 